the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. go to the gym and work out. You need to get God's Word in your heart and you need to continue to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God because in so doing, it will grow you into spiritual maturity. And you will end up looking more like Christ when you get into the Word of Christ than the world because we are to live in the world but not be of the world. And so the way, the remedy to the carnal Christian or the worldly Christian, start getting into the Word of God more and more. Read it. As a disciple, you are to live in the world, but not be of it. Today, you learn from Pastor Gary's message to be a fit disciple, just as one would eat fruit and vegetables, and get a good workout in to be fit. God is asking you to be fit as His disciple. Pastor Gary encourages you to take the time that is needed for you to grow spiritually. Spend time in God's Word each week. Seek Him through prayer and fasting. Whatever it takes for you to be fruitful in the Lord and to grow in your spiritual maturity of Him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Paul says, We only have these small tasks involved in this whole process. He he says in his particular case here, he says, I planted, all right, I planted a seed. You know, I I spoke about the gospel. I told the story about Christ and I got people to think I planted the seed. Apollos came along after me. He said some more things and what it effectively did was to water the seed that I had planted, but only God is the one who causes it to grow. Okay, now this is liberating for every single one of us, and here's the reason why. Not, not just because I'm a pastor. This is liberating for every single one of us, and here's the reason. Because all of us have this wonderful responsibility and opportunity to share our faith with whomever God puts along our path at whatever the right time and whatever right appointment, and God will give you the right words, and we have this wonderful privilege of sharing our faith, okay? But you know why a lot of people are hesitant to share their faith? is because they feel like, unless I can close the deal from A to Z, I might as well not even share it all. And the enemy loves to convince us that you might as well not even open your mouth at all because by the you know you're sitting on a on on metro with somebody and the the next stop is in about 10 minutes I'm not even going to get through the whole gospel presentation in 10 minutes with this person sitting next to me so why even bother all right and the reason you should bother is because it may only be your role is to plant the seed 
Okay, that might be the only reason you're sitting next to that person is because there's a providential appointment and all you're supposed to do is plant the seed. It's not up to you to, quote, close the deal. No one of us can ever get someone saved. That's God's work. But our work is to plant the seed and to water it and then let God give the increase. And I'm convinced having the wonderful privilege of giving invitations and, you know, seeing people come to faith in Christ All I'm doing is watering what somebody else has already planted, and God is then bringing the increase. And you don't know if but that your five minutes with someone is to plant it or to water it. None of us knows. You don't know if you don't know that there's think about your coworkers for a minute. Think about your neighbors. Think about people that you know. You don't know but that God has already put other people along their path with the same news about Jesus Christ. And that your responsibility is just to come along now and water that. All right? But if we believe the lie, and all, you know, Satan is a liar and the father of lies, okay? So if we believe the lie that the enemy is always trying to convince us about, don't bother sharing your faith. You don't know what to say. You don't have enough time. They probably won't believe anyway. Then you are, in effect, robbing the opportunity to be used by the Lord in a wonderful way, which may simply be to plant the seed or may simply be to water the seed. And so because we don't know, just be prepared to always be that vessel that God might use to either plant or to water. It's not up to you to bring them to salvation. It's not up to me to bring anybody to salvation. That's the work of God. But we need to be planters or waterers because God is the grower. Amen? And you need to be looking. We all need to be looking for opportunities and for these divine appointments. You know, why is that person sitting next to you on that plane? Why is that person now in the cubicle next to you? Why did that person and that family move across the street from you? I think we should always be looking with eyes of intention that God may very well be orchestrating things and bringing people along our path so that we can be, just like Paul says here, vessels that God would use. And because we never know, we should just be faithful to do our little part. Maybe plant, maybe water, but God will give the increase. So no special favor about people or personalities, no rock stars in the church, no glorification of people or human beings. Paul really addresses this. He goes, this, this is part of the reason why you guys are worldly in the church at Corinth. Because you're treating people and putting them on pedestals and making too much out of the people. It's about the Lord, and it's about the Lord simply using people as vessels. I heard Pastor Chuck Smith say years ago before he went home to be with the Lord, he said, he said in his wonderful voice, he said, you know, if you were going in for surgery and they had to cut you open to do wonderful surgery, that you might be saved, all right? He said, and so they, the surgeon in his great skill or her great skill took the scalpel and then did their wonderful surgical work to save your life. When you were done and you had recovered, would you thank the surgeon or the scalpel? So, I had to stop and think about that, yeah. Because in effect, when we lead people to Christ or we're just trying to plant and water, we're, we're just the scalpel. We're, we're just the vessel. We're just the tool that God is using. But he's the ultimate surgeon of the human heart. And he's the one who gets the glory. He's the one who does his work. So he says in verse, verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, 
and someone else is building on it. Okay, again, he's referring to the fact I planted this church five years ago, but I've left now. Someone else is building on it. I laid the foundation. He says, but each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, folks, this is a clear verse to remind us the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. The church better be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Our faith needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. The foundation is Jesus. And he says, if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, capital D, in other words, the day of judgment, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So he's talking here about the church in general. It may very well translate to our lives in particular. But in general, he's talking about the church needs to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He talks about gold, silver, costly stones. Costly stones, by the way, he's not talking about jewels, but he's talking about fine material like marble and granite. And then wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, some translations say. So it's, it's this picture of you wouldn't build a, a, a foundation, you wouldn't build a structure, a temple, with alternating materials of marble, and then wood, and then gold, and then straw. He says if you build something like that, it will show you know, what it's really made of, and it will crumble. So he's saying, don't compromise the work of God in any way. Make sure that you're building it in such a way that glorifies God, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, because that day is going to come, and the judgment day is going to expose all this other stuff that was all man-made, man-contrived, man-centered, man-focused. So the church needs to be a church which is is built on the foundation of Christ. It is God-focused. It is God-centered, not man-centered or man-focused. He said, otherwise, it's it's going to be exposed for what it is. He goes, you know, you, you might end up being saved as if escaping from the flames, but the whole work, if it was built upon this faulty wisdom or human effort or human focus, will be exposed for what it is, and and it won't last. And he says in verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. So he says the foundation of the church needs to be Jesus Christ. But he says, you know, the real definition of the church is is not the building itself. It's the people. And he says, you are the temple of God. And by the way, he's going to use that same theme into chapter 6, verse 19, when he says, "Your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's something sacred about life. There's something sacred about life, and that's, what, that's why he says there, he says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Why? Because life is sacred to God. God's temple is sacred, he says, and you are that temple. He says, do not deceive yourselves if any one of you thinks, verse 18, that he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. All right, what? What he's saying is, if somebody is all full of themselves and think they're all that smart, and they really know everything, okay, then because you are so full of yourself and you think you're so smart, you're never going to really reach out and respond to the Lord because you, you think you're all that, you think you're fine, and you think you have everything under control. It will only, you'll only really become wise 
if you humble yourself and admit how much you don't know and how much you need a Savior. And that's why he adds there in verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. Now again, this whole contrast of the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of heaven, but have you ever heard things that were said by some really smart people, but because they didn't know the Lord and you know the Lord, you listen to that and you go, that is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And yet, and yet they're so proud of themselves because they're like, well, look at all the letters after my name and look how educated. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. This, I've shared this quote with you before, but this, this I think highlights it. One of the, one of the places, and, and this is, this is the battle, right? One of the places I think the battle happens between Christians and non-Christians is in relation to the whole creation story and Genesis and, and evolution and all that stuff. Okay, that, that creates a lot of consternation. And the non-Christians who don't know the Lord think that Christians are absolutely stupid for thinking that God is the creator of the universe and it was all created in six days and God rested on the seventh day and, and we've come from that, okay? But then when you listen, you listen to some of the foolish things that those who, who support evolution believe, you just scratch your heads and go, seriously, these smart, wise people are thinking and believing this. So here's this quote from Dr. Francis Crick, who, who was the, um, the discoverer of the double helical shape of the DNA. And scientists have no explanation for the origin of life. So they make stuff up. They make stuff up. Now, Dr. Crick was a, was a Nobel Prize winning scientist who said, as a means of trying to figure out the origin of life, quote, he said, we should consider the idea that space aliens sent a rocket ship to the earth to seed it with spores to begin life. What? This is a Nobel Prize winning scientist who instead of bowing the knee and acknowledging that God is creator, that could there possibly be a designer, an intelligent designer beyond this, is quoting this and making us think that the earth was actually seeded with spores from aliens. Wow. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it, to think that? And so then when Christians say, well, wait a minute, this whole evolution thing doesn't make sense because what you're basically saying is over long periods of time, we went from the goo to the zoo to you. I mean, that's what, the, that's what evolutionary theory is. We went from the goo to the zoo to you. That's how it all just happened. And there was just this primordial ooze that just crept out of a pond one day. And suddenly now we are all with jobs and neckties. And I don't understand that. How does that make sense to us? But yet the world looks on at us and thinks, we're quack, all right? But, but when you read stuff like that, it makes you realize, this, this is so ridiculous. And so the, the, the wisdom of man, the wisdom of man, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. I remember years ago when, I don't remember which one of our kids in, was in high school at the time, but it was back to school night and parents, you know, supposed to go to back to school night. And I only went to one. All right. We have three kids. They each went four years to high school and I went one time. All right. There was an opportunity to go 12 times. I went once. And the one time I went, so I'm sitting in, in this science class for one of the kids. I don't remember which one it was. And, um, they were talking in terms of, the teacher was talking in terms of uh, BCE, 
and, uh, sorry, it was history, BCE and CE, okay, you know, before current era and current era. And, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm, I know I'm old school, but, but when did they stop saying BC and AD? You know, when did that transition happen? I, I must have taken a nap that day when, when it went from BC and AD to BCE and CE. And so, you know, BC before Christ, AD is not after death, it's Anno Domini, and my Latin teacher would kill me if I ever said after death. That's BC and AD, it's before Christ, and it's in the year of our Lord. Okay, and, and the calendar kind of coincides with the birth of Christ. And so that's the mark of, of delineation before Christ and, and in the year of our Lord. Okay. And so I asked the history teacher, when, when did they come up with this BCECE stuff? Well, Mr. Hamrick, we don't want to influence the kids with religion. I said, okay, how, how are we influencing the kids with religion? Well, because, you see, if we used BC and AD, then it would all refer to Christ, and we don't want any reference to Christ. And I said, oh, well, then wh- how, how did they figure out where BCE ends and CE begins. I'm, I'm ornery. I'm just terrible. And, I, and so that's the reason I only went to one parent-teacher back-to-school night. And she, looked, and she looked at me and she said, well, I, I guess it does have to do with Christ, doesn't it? And I said, I guess it does. But it's like the wisdom of this world. It's like, it's, it's like ridiculous. That's just foolishness. We don't want to say B.C. and A.D., so we'll say B.C.E. and C.E., but it still has to do with the mark of delineation at the birth of Christ. This is just ridiculous nonsense. And I could go on and on and on. But the point is that when Paul says here, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, it's stuff like that. That's the reason why. Let's read down, and then i got to come back for a couple more points before we go. But he says in, in verse uh, two, well, the rest of verse 20, as it, verse 19, as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. In other words, what he's saying here is, you have everything in Christ. Why do you, why do you have to squabble about men and, and who you think are more important? And, and that last part about, and you are of Christ and Christ is of God, he's basically saying, you belong to God through Christ. So, so he says, you know, stop acting like this. Now, real quickly before we go, here are the answers. Why are there carnal or worldly Christians? There's only two reasons. It's either ignorance or disobedience. There's the only two reasons. Why do some Christians look more like the world than they look like Christ? It's either ignorance because they, they don't know any better. You know, maybe somebody became a brand new Christian and, uh, and, and they, don't, they don't know any better. Um, and, and so they have to learn and they have to grow and that kind of thing takes some time. Uh, maybe someone out of ignorance, maybe they, they you know, just haven't understood and maybe they haven't been taught. And so... Out of ignorance, some people can look a little worldly still. I remember uh, when Steve Mays was here bef- before he went uh, to be with the Lord, and he, and he was teaching about how he you know, came out of his life of drugs and crime and all this other kind of stuff. And he said, he said you know, it was, it was like six months after being a Christian. He said, I was still smoking weed. And he said, I was working on a car with one of my Christian friends. And, and, he, and he said, I offered my Christian friend a joint. And he said, my Christian friend looked at him and said, you know, ah, Steve, ah, listen. <laughs> 
you know, you're a Christian now. You probably shouldn't be rolling doobies, you know. And, and, but Steve was just like, I, I didn't know. You know, it was out of ignorance. He, ha- he, hadn't, he hadn't been a Christian very long, and so he, he just honestly didn't know until somebody came along and said, you know what, probably not the best witness to be getting stoned. And so, and so there are some legitimate reasons why people are, quote, worldly Christians or carnal Christians because they don't know any better yet. They're ignorant, all right? I'll come back and address that. Disobedience, though, has no excuse. If somebody knows better and just decides, I'm going to live like the world anyway, then there's no excuse for that, okay? The reason why someone might be at stage number one and even stuck there as if they can't go on to maturity is basically because they have not learned to feed themselves, so I want you to leave real quickly uh, from 1 Corinthians and go to Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll close with this. But if you'll jump further, just keep going to the right to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. I want you to see this passage with me. It's very similar, and we don't know if Paul wrote the book of Hebrews because the writer's unknown, but it, it sounds very similar to the language of 1 Corinthians 3. So I just want to close on this point here out of Hebrews chapter 5, and notice verses 11 through 14. And this, and this is what the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 5.11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you were slow to learn. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Isn't this similar language to 1 Corinthians 3 about milk and not solid food? He says, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk... Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, and how do you become mature, he says, who by constant use, use of what? Use of God's word, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now circle the word trained, and in, in the margin, you might want to write here, I'm going to give you a Greek word, it's gumnazo, G-U-M, like gum, nazo, it's one word, G-U-M-N-A-Z-O, gumnazo. We get our English word gymnasium from that word. And here's what Paul is saying. You need to exercise your life. You need, you need to work out spiritually. You want, to, you want to stop being a worldly Christian? You need to stop being a worldly Christian. The way you stop being a worldly Christian is you need to get into God's Word. You need to exercise your spirit. You need to go to the gym and work out. You need to get God's Word in your heart, and you need to continue to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God because in so doing, it will grow you into spiritual maturity. And you will end up looking more like Christ when you get into the Word of Christ than the world because we are to live in the world but not be of the world. And so the way, the remedy to the carnal Christian or the worldly Christian, start getting into the Word of God more and more. Read it. Listen, friends, I am so thankful. You're the Wednesday night crowd. You're a little more committed than the weekend crowd. (laughs) But don't ever, hear me on this, don't ever let the extent of your Christian growth rest on weekend or midweek services. Your Christian growth needs to be because you take your Bibles, you spend time in God's Word, you get alone with Him, you pray, you seek your faith, you seek His face, 
and you allow God's Word to speak to you and to grow you and to mature you to be more like Jesus. Go to the gym spiritually and allow God's Word to grow you and to make you more mature in Christ. Amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection. As Pastor Gary Hamrick teaches through the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing this message again or others like it, feel free to visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. That way you'll never miss a message from Pastor Gary's studies. And you'll always have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Simply look under the Teachings tab. While you're there, feel free to take some time to learn about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be excited to meet you if you're in the area. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We trust you've been blessed by today's teachings in the book of 1 Corinthians. Keep reading on your own to discover many other inspiring and motivating things that apply to you today. We'll look forward to you joining us on our next edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.